The Dudes of Kung Fu podcast is brought to you by Wing Chun Illustrated Magazine. Wing Chun Illustrated is the premier publication for Wing Chun. Published six times a year, Wing Chun Illustrated is a perfect bound, full-color, glossy publication. Each 60-page issue comes packed with in-depth content and feature stories by and about the world's greatest exponents of Wing Chun, regardless of lineage or style. Wing Chun Illustrated has featured people like Emin Bostepe, Philip Bayer, Yip Chun, Gary Lam, Donald Mack, Samuel Kwok, David Peterson, Chan Chi Man, Mark Phillips, Wan Kam Leung, Sam Lau, Robert Chu, Sifu Sergio, Victor Ken, and many, many more. There are two ways you can enjoy this fantastic publication. Go to wingchunillustrated.com and order the magazine as a print-on-demand. The print quality is simply amazing. Or download the Magster app and get a subscription. That's Magster, M-A-G-Z-T-E-R. This way, when the new issue hits the stands, you'll automatically receive it as a download onto your smart device for offline reading. In fact, with your new Magster account, you can access the magazine on multiple devices, iOS, Android, Kindle Fire, and web browser. To make the deal even sweeter, listeners of the Dudes of Kung Fu podcast can use the coupon code DUDES to get a six-month complimentary digital subscription. That coupon code is DUDES, typed in all capital letters. Go to Magster, again M-A-G-Z-T-E-R, to register, add the six-month subscription to the cart, and apply the coupon code at checkout. The Dudes of Kung Fu love Wing Chun Illustrated Magazine. Hey everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Dudes of Kung Fu. Um, and this week, Alex and I answer some questions from the uh, from from you folks, and we discuss in in some detail uh, shifting in Wing Chun. Um, we know each lineage does it different ways, and um, we want to dig in on this a little bit. So, uh, hope you enjoy. It was lots of laughs. We had a lot of we had a lot of fun this week. of Kung Fu. Please welcome your hosts, Alex Richter and Big Sean Madigan. Hey everybody and welcome back to Dudes of Kung Fu. Alex, how are you brother? I'm doing pretty good and I'm, re- <laughs> I'm reminded <laughs> we should never mess with each other shortly before the podcast starts because I just, I just told Sean a joke right before we were about to record and it took all of our... Uh, all of our willpower not to break out laughing and it's forget it we 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 totally lost it god <laughs> ridiculous how you doing man i'm doing really well actually um i uh, took off from work today so i'm feeling like young and revitalized up some i rested my fat ass all day basically and played guitar and awesome. i just i just had like a nice relaxing day you know you need that once in a while otherwise you're out of your fucking head Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, especially when uh, you have to travel all the way from where you are with the Sherpas to go to civilization to work. I can imagine that must be quite a grind. Yeah, you know, and no joke, man, when they had that uh, terrorist attack here the other day where that, 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 that piece of shit ran in his truck into the crowd. Right. I mean, the tragedy, it was a tragedy. I'm not making light of it at all, but the, the commute home that day from Midtown was a horror, you know, because I drive from Midtown. And they had right. the FDR drive down and uh, closed off. Right. And I you know I work on the east side and they had the FDR drive closed off and it was rough. Yeah, I think for for people who don't live in New York, you have to understand that for the most part, New York always has traffic. So it, it's it's a different vibe from say L.A. 
where you have to drive great distances through a lot of traffic. Everything in New York is kind of closed, but every time you get out there, there's traffic. There's only a select few hours of the week, like say Wednesday at 3 a.m. where you could drive (laughs) relatively traffic free through New York. And so New York is always kind of on this like Mm -hmm. knife's edge of a normal day without anything special going on, which is very rare for New York, you'll already have traffic. But like if the president comes to New York, if there's a parade, if there's some kind of unfortunate uh, event or something like that, it basically completely destroys the entire balance of the city. And for people who have to commute, man, I I really feel for them because that's super hardcore, especially if you're driving into the city. (laughs) Yeah, driving. I was was underneath the Manhattan Bridge on some street, Allen Street, Allen Street down to Houston, whatever. And some cop just like stopped everybody underneath the Manhattan Bridge. And we sat there for like 20 minutes. And I'm like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Because at this point, (laughs) I had no idea what was going on other than some 23-year-old cop telling me, don't move the car. Okay, you know. So, I was busy listening to our podcast. Right, exactly. (laughs) He he has a gun and, well, you know, mine's hidden, so I can't, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Last podcast was great. Um, We It actually just came out today, I think, or yesterday, so I I just listened to it. That was the one with uh, Jim Rosalando. It was a lot of fun. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Jim's an awesome guy, huh, man? Jim is so good. He's my favorite Wing Chun person. Oh, wait, did I just say that out loud? (laughs) (laughs) He's my favorite Wing Chun person, too. (laughs) To be fair, I don't like most Wing Chun people. The list of Wing Chun people that I can tolerate, I can can count them on one hand. It's pretty pretty low for the most part. Yeah, Uh, yeah, Jim's first rate, though, man. I like him a lot. He's good people. Yeah, it's always cool to kind of get a different perspective, not just because... He's from another lineage, but essentially the Langjian lineage, although it is, we're from the same family, um, but it, it's, some, it's, it's one of the rare non-Yip Man Wing Chun lineages that we have a little bit more contact to. And so it, it's kind of cool to deal with somebody who's kind of outside of this weird world of Yip Man Wing Chun and all its in, incestuous politics that we have to deal with. And, and so, uh, you know, it's kind of nice to get a, a little bit of a fresh perspective. And even like even further far out and weird, like he's not only like non Yipman Wing Chun, he's from fucking Boston, and we're from New York, so we got to deal with that whole thing too, you know? Because like they think they're like a real city up there and shit. So, <laughs> I mean, granted, they're not That's as sweet. bad as the people in Chicago, but you know, it's still like Boston. It's like you know, right. Boston is basically the Boston is basically the Seattle of the East Coast. <laughs> it's kind of like it's it, it's it's a town pretending to be a city. You know what I mean? It's really trying. It's trying really hard. Just like Seattle tries really really hard, but just can't quite do it. That's kind of Boston for at least from the perspective of most New Yorkers. <laughs> and right now, my my, my buddies uh, Chris and Seth are punching the windshields of their car because they live. <laughs> In the Boston area, and they're like, motherfucker! <laughs> and, and, and you know, the only reason they're mad is because they know it's true. <laughs> because if it was total nonsense we were spouting, you would have absolutely nothing to be upset about. It's like when someone attacks you unfairly in the internet, if it's baseless, you just think it's kind of funny. But if there's a little bit of truth to it, you'll get upset. <laughs> right, that's true. That's true. Oh, yeah, I got to tell you about that later. Somebody unfriended me and then blocked me on Facebook, and it's your fault. Wow. It's your fault. It's my fault. Uh, it's really? your fault 
but we can't talk about it on the air yet. Maybe I'll talk about it next week. Depends on how pissed off I am next week. Holy cow. But it's wow, your fault that this motherfucker, the piece of shit, fucking unfriended me. And, oh, really? I just can't wait to tell you. You're going to crack up laughing. Okay, so so I'll, I'll uh, you'll tell me after the podcast, right? You promise? Yes, I promise. I promise. Okay, okay. Um, all right, without giving anything away, was it because of something I said on the podcast or was it something offline? No, something you told something me. Social media? Something you told me privately, and I made something a comment. You pr- yeah, you told me something privately. I know we sound like two old ladies, folks. I know this is, <laughs> this, is this is how we are. So yeah, you told me something privately. I made a joke about it on the podcast. He heard. Ooh. Oh yeah, you're gonna love it. You're gonna you're gonna crack up laughing. It's gonna it's literally gonna make your fucking night. It made mine. Oh, it made mine. It, it, I'm still hysterical about it. But it's just it's just awesomeness. Yeah, that's totally awesome. So, uh, or well, by the time this podcast comes up, this will be old news. But one of the things I'm looking forward to is this coming weekend, New York City, which is uh, we're having it at Madison Square Garden. And uh, by the way, that that's on Saturday. I'm gonna have a a, a UFC party on, uh, at my place for that. But on the Friday, uh, and again, I apologize for all of our listeners because by the time this podcast comes out, this is all be this will all be in the past. Um, but on Friday, I'm going to actually go see Joe Rogan at uh, Madison Square Garden. I'm going to go oh. see his comedy show. Oh, that's cool. And uh, yeah, that, that ought to be fun. And, uh, you know, maybe I'll, I'll steal some stuff from him and we can use it on the podcast. There you he go. Is the, <laughs> he, he, he is the, the, the grandmaster of podcasts right now. So uh, He is the uh, shit, man. I like Joe Rogan. He's, he's, he's great. One of my uh, absolutely one of my favorite podcasts to listen to. I just I, I also like when he. Uh, this is podcast with Joey Diaz, who, like me, is also like he's the old, well, he's all Cuban. I'm half Cuban, but when Joey tells stories about growing up Cuban in on the East Coast, like that's so much of that was also my childhood. <laughs> so it's like, I totally relate to that. That's pretty amazing. That's um, cool, so man. That's cool. That'll be fun. It's gonna gonna be interesting to see uh, what happens with the fights. Uh, uh, with uh, with Cody Garbrandt and, and Dillashaw, and of course Bisping and GSP. Uh, really curious to see how, how that's going to end up. So uh, that ought to be a lot of fun. Oh um, yeah. So, I mean, and, well, who are you rooting for with that one? Well, you know what? I'm, I mean, just like a week ago, Machida came back after a two-year layoff, and he got starched in his first round. And I'm like. I'm one of these guys that, like, I really like the old school cats who are, like, really on top of their game. GSP, Anderson Silva, Machida, right. these guys. But I'm, I'm also a firm believer in that every professional fighter has a very limited shelf life where they can really be at the top of their game. And the one thing, I mean, I'll tell you, it, it seems kind of funny because, obviously, most of these people, I've never met them personally. But it, it, it hurts me a little bit. When I see somebody who should have stopped fighting, keep fighting, and then you see them get hurt. Like, there's nothing that actually, there's nothing perhaps safe for like seeing a a woman being hit in public, which completely enrages me. Besides that, perhaps seeing a fighter who should not be in the ring anymore, who should retire, dignified, still going in there and fighting and getting hurt. I really, really hate that fighting professional fighting is a young man's game and there's a limited window where you're at your peak and all things of experience um practice and the physical attributes to to actually fight where all of these things coincide and once 
one part of that window passes, either the, the new crowd starts to pass you by in terms of skill, or you start to get too old, or you've taken a few too many and your chin's gotten weaker. Right. I mean, yeah, you saw what happened stop, with BJ like, Penn not too long ago. BJ oh, Penn tried, man, every t- like, yeah. tried to come back, and it just was not good. Multiple times, and he, he he just kept losing all of his fights. And yeah. same thing with Anderson. I mean, Anderson's had kind of a weird career since he got back from his uh, horrific leg break. But I would just like to see him retire. What yeah. the hell else does he have to prove? You know what I mean? It's like, I don't want – he's going to be fighting again in Shanghai in a few weeks. And, like – I'll watch it because I love him, but it, like it's just painful, man. You know, like I don't, I don't like seeing that. You know. Yeah, I know. Like you know, it's it's um it's away from the UFC, but sometimes you'll see like um, Bellator or one of the other promotions. They'll like advertise like Tito Ortiz versus yes Rampage Jackson or some other fucking guy who should be right. on Social Security by now, and and you're like, what are they doing? I mean, I get there's the money and all, but there's gotta be money to be made in them and just coaching and yes opening a gym doing opening a, a gym doing right there's so much with you know for them to be getting in a cage and beating the shit out of each other i mean god it's like they're getting old they're gonna they're gonna <laughs> I, actually I, really I, gonna hurt themselves do you remember i think it was last year maybe the year before that uh hoist gracie and frank and uh, ken shamrock had a had a rematch at bellator and oh, like god. And it was like, you know, and walkers like, and shit. I mean, yeah, I'm like a huge Gracie fan, but, but it's like uh, somebody had the funniest tweet when that came out. And they said uh, it was before the fight came out. And they said, Ken Shamrock is going to get in there. Hoist Gracie's going to get in there. And as soon as the fight starts, uh, Ken Shamrock is going to break his hip and fall down. And then Hoist <laughs> is going to lift his arms and say, this is proof of Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. <laughs> 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 it was like such a funny tweet. I was like, yeah, you know. I don't. It's like I don't want to see my dad get in a fight with somebody. Right, you know, right, it's right. like I, I, I can't. I can't watch it. Fighting's a young man's game, and um, you know, same thing with some traditional martial artists who, like, later in their career, they decide, oh, now I'm going to go in and you know show people what I can do. And it's like, no, 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 don't do it. Stick to teaching your martial arts, and, and fighting is a young man's game. And and I remember even Leung Ting was very big about that because he would occasionally send some of his fighters in Hong Kong to like full contact fighting contests, especially back in the seventies and eighties. And, you know, one of the main criteria was like, yeah, you can't be too old. <laughs> like, because right. it just, yeah. it doesn't work. It's just really a young man's game. And it's not to say that if you're older, you still can't practice martial arts or that you cannot be effective as a fighter or in self-defense, but ring sport fighting, this is a different thing, man. The pressure, the physical attributes that are required. This is very different from what we practice, uh, in either traditional martial arts or self-defense based martial arts. Um, it's really not the same. And people need to really understand that these are two separate things. You know, you mentioned Young Ting, Young Ting, listen to me, man, I'm bad at saying Chinese shit, but I can't even say Lung Ting at this point. (laughs) Talk about getting old. You mentioned Lung Ting. I want to ask you a question. Um, not particularly about him, but just about, um, well, you know what I'm talking about in a second. If one of your guys, Whoever, pick somebody in your school, mm-hmm. um, Ethan, whatever, said, hey, listen, Lung Ting or whoever, your, I can't say your, your CQ's name. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to be in New Jersey doing a seminar. <laughs> That'd be crazy. <laughs> would you mind if I went? Would you, like, take it personal? Like, would you take, like, offense to them trading with your Sea Gong or Sea Taigong? 
No, not at all. Um, I mean, as a matter of Chinese etiquette, you would always ask your sifu first. Like, oh, sifu, can I go take a lesson with my sigong or my sibak or whatever, right? You know, yeah, the kind of the traditional thing is you, you always make sure it's okay with your sifu or whatever. I mean, but that's not even a Chinese thing. That's just like, for me, that's just courtesy. You know what I mean? Right. You just let your, you, you know, you'd let your box, you know, I'd even let my boxing coach know. It's like, hey, you know, when I'm in Miami, I'm going to go do some boxing with, at the, you know, Fifth Street gym over there or something like that, right. you know? Um, and, and of course, I wouldn't have a problem with that. In fact, I, I would more than encourage my own students to have a chance to learn from their Sigong and, and to have a chance to see, um, you know, what my Sifu is like, because my Sifu teaches Wing Chun in a very different way than I do, right? So I don't have any problem with that. And I certainly wouldn't get upset because people out there who are better than me in Wing Chun, they're better fighters, maybe even they're better teachers, and maybe they're even better looking. No, right? no, but no, come on, no, no, I'm, no, I gotta put my foot down. Alex? <laughs> all right, yeah, most people no. are better looking than you, but most people, <laughs> but no one thinks they're as good looking as you are, so that's what's... <laughs> there you go, there you go. No, because so, I, mean, I, I know of a guy, I won't say his name, yeah. Alex, I won't say his name, Alex, but there's, there's this guy I know, <laughs> and um, he threw a student out of his school for going to train with his Seagong. And like he went, because his student went to him and said, oh, I'm going to go train with your Seagong. I have the opportunity with, with my Seagong, your Sifu. And he told him no. And he says, why no? He says, well, I don't want you to, you know, to, you may learn something that I don't know kind of thing. And, uh -huh. and uh -huh. you're going to come back here and try and teach and make me look bad and that kind of bullshit. And, I see, I see. And he said, if you go... You're not welcome to come back to our school anymore. Mm. So the kid had the balls and the gumption to go anyway, and and, and <laughs> I'm proud of him. And he, and he got thrown out of the school, you know. And I was talking to him at the seminar because I was there, and I was like saying, like, you know, that's pretty fucked up thing to do. Right. And uh, like I said, I'm not gonna say his name, Alex, but it's just you know, it's uh, it's just fucked up. And I just I know I've never done it. Now even if I asked, like I I remember like when I had the chance to train with um Jerry Poteet. I remember calling up Steve and saying, hey, Steve, um, I, I had the opportunity to train with Jerry. What do you think? And Steve's like, oh, go for it. You know, that's a great time. In fact, I remember asking Steve, oh, um, I'm going to have an opportunity to go train with Dan Santo. And at that time there, Steve and Dan absolutely did not sit in the same pew on some things. And Steve was, oh, you absolutely should experience, you know, Dan Santo. It's like, go do this. But even if he didn't, say, say, say Steve took the, a different tact and he said, no, I forbid it. You know, that would have been the end of my relationship with Steve, probably. Because right. I can't, as a man, I'll give you the, the, the respect of saying, hey, I'm letting you know this is what I'm going to do. I hope it doesn't upset you kind of thing. But as a grown-up man, I can't have you say, if you, have, if you say to me, no, you are forbidden to train with that person, I am going to go out of my fucking way now to train with that person. Sure, sure. You know sure. what I mean? I'm just sorry. I can't at this point here let a grown man tell me who I'm allowed to talk to. You know, those... Right. I think we passed a law against that sometime in the 1800s. It's just, you know, it's just ridiculous, you know? And it, well, it really I, I upset mean, I, me. Yeah, I, I think it speaks for a couple of things. One, if, if you're confident as an instructor and you're confident that you are honestly trying to help your students and help them grow and, and you also know that you teach with a good heart, I, I think you worry less about these things. When right. it's always a matter of protecting your authority then of course these kind of things matter, you know? And if my students went and went to a seminar with my Sifu and they learned something and they came back, I'd be like, hey, what did my Sifu show you? Right, exactly, you know I mean? right. And I would love to see it or whatever. And, 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 and it's not a matter of like, oh, now they know something because it's like, 
my students going to learn in one seminar that's going to i mean just speaking from a total petty like if you're just being really petty as an instructor right you have to put it put it in this perspective what can a student possibly learn in one weekend or one seminar that's going to trounce your all your years of teaching and what you've been doing i mean are you really that insecure that you think that that's going to happen if you're if your teaching is that bad you don't deserve right. to have students anyway now of course it's one thing if let's say you have a student who's a troublemaker and let's say you kick them out of your own school and now that person is trying to go over your head and go to your teacher but that person is like a known troublemaker or something like that then of course you could warn your seafood and say hey look this guy is going to try to come to your seminar. He's somebody I kicked out of my school because of this reason, so on and so forth. But even then, whether your CV right. decides to teach that person or not, right? So Absolutely it's totally right. up, up to their discretion. And, and these are the kind of things that are plainly clear in the adult world. But in martial arts, where there's this kind of expectation of subservience to your instructor, when when it's not reciprocal, if I want my students to respect me, I need to respect them as well. Um, these kind of conversations don't happen in the adult world. They only happen in, in, in these strange martial arts circles. Right, and, and that's why so many combat athletes look at traditional martial arts as this, like, as if a traditional martial arts school is like a, a Star Trek convention. They, they, cause right. because of this kind of petty bullshit, it's just ridiculous. It, it, you know, yeah. when you, when you talk with combat athletes who I have just so much fucking respect for, they, and you, and you tell them these Kung Fu type stories, <laughs> it's like, you know, I, I have a really good friend of mine. Um, his name is Darren. He's an incredible, incredible boxing coach. He's just an incredible boxing coach, and he like and he doesn't put other martial arts the art the arts themselves down. Like he'll never say, "Oh, Wing Chun sucks," or "Jeet Kune Do is this," or he he never do that. And he and he's a phenomenal boxer because he'll say he's of, he's of the belief that there's a little bit of truth in everything, and you should do what you enjoy. Right. But what he will say is, I'll say, "Hey, Darren, I'm having the UFC tonight." And he'll say, uh, are any of the Kung Fu guys going? <laughs> if I say, yeah, he'll go, yeah, you know what? I'll order it myself. Because he can't take being around Kung Fu people. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, yeah. He'll, if you turn around and say, oh, Darren, we're going to be doing some Kung Fu later. He's like, oh, dude, that's awesome. You know, have fun. Uh, you know, like he's so fucking supportive. Oh, that's great. You know, I saw this YouTube video on Wing Chun one day. And, you know, if they change this, it would even be good like with boxing and like he was actually like you know he's been supportive of the art itself right. but turn around and say i'm gonna have some of those guys here and he's like yeah nah no bid i just <laughs> i can't i can't be around that i just and, and i respect it because he's right he's right. right he's just like you know and i love i love some my, my kung fu brothers and but you know what it's if you're not if you're not immersed in the world it really looks like a freak show sometimes from the outside, especially yeah. when you got guys not throwing around titles while you're sitting on a couch watching the UFC. You know, oh, Sifu, Sikong, can I get you a slice of pizza? Come on, give me a fucking break. Like, that's what he was like, you know. It's, you know, it's at some point, it's like, you know, I mean, I understand it. It's part of the culture. I'm not my, making fun of it because I'm part of the culture and I enjoy it. But to right. an outsider, I'm talking about to an outsider sitting here on yes. the couch, a guy who's a boxing coach, 
He's looking at it saying, what the fuck? You know, like, what, you know. He's <laughs> yeah, like, I Because totally. I remember the first time he was around when people started referring to me as Sifu. And he came over and was like, what the fuck's with the Sifu thing, <laughs> you know? And, and I'm like, just shut up, you know? It's like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So listen, dude, I saw on Facebook you posted that you're uh, filming something? Yeah, so today... Um... I filmed my first instructional video. So um, I've decided uh, for the longest time, I never want, you know, people always ask me if uh, I'm going to put out instructional videos and things like that. And I always shied away from it for a little bit. One, because uh, quite honestly, uh, I, I get paid pretty well to teach this stuff behind closed doors. Right. So for me, I, I'm not really incentivized to go like, hey, guys, here, there you go. And then have every knucklehead just kind of copying it or, or ripping it apart not really fully understanding what i'm doing um to kind of test the waters with a different type of wing chun video um one of the things that i have not seen done in in terms of wing chun is teaching good movement and i mean like you know for example in nowadays the the whole fitness industry has made a change to functional fitness you know like right, back sure, in the 80s sure. it was all about you know, most martial artists who did weightlifting in the 80s essentially did bodybuilding routines. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because they didn't know, like, you know, just doing a bunch of bench pressing stuff that made your chest look big. Like, they didn't really understand that that was not necessarily the best thing in terms of functional output for punching, right? Right, right, fact, right. I think, the, I think the only people who really understood functional power for fighting were probably boxers at that time. Although, having said that, if you look at a lot of boxers back in the 80s, you can tell that they were also using more bodybuilding-based routines back then. You know what I mean? Right. And and nowadays, you can tell that they're doing more function-based stuff because the people don't have those like super pronounced pecs anymore because it's not super conducive to punching power, right? Yeah, that's why so, I don't have pronounced pecs. And, <laughs> and, and I did away with the whole uh, six-pack abs Right, right, right. I'm like, you know what? It's just not functional. I'm just, I'm gonna stick with the pizza. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't mean to shit on what you're talking about. I just <laughs> no, that's fine. That's fine. So, um, in in the fitness industry, you have a movement, uh, or I should say, kind of a, a a trend now towards functional movement, not just being able to lift weights and push things and pull things and jump up and down and stuff like that, but moving better, moving in a way that improves the way. Uh, you function as a human being, so you have less stress on your knees and your ankles and hips and things like that. Well, one thing that's never talked about in Wing Chun is exercises can students do uh, to improve the way that they move in Wing Chun. Like, for example, some students have a problem forming bong cell, right? Because they can't bring the elbow higher than the wrist, for example. A very common problem in Wing Chun, right? Or people can't bring their elbows in. Well, how do you improve that if you don't know how else to, to get better at it? You know, you can listen to the Chinese way, which is, oh, you just do them all, <laughs> you know, which is kind of always like, uh, Sibu, I can't bring my elbow in. That is because you're lazy. Right? You know? <laughs> it's like, no, I've been trying every day. I still can't bring my elbow in. You must to practice more, right? And then you get these kind of very unsatisfying answers. And then you realize that most Chinese people don't have these issues because if you look at the body structure, especially of a lot of Chinese males, they generally have no problem um, putting their wrists at a 90-degree angle for a palm strike, keeping their shoulders down, bringing their elbows in. But if you look at the way a lot of Westerners are built, 
they have a lot of issues and also we're generally a lot lazier like the chinese they do activity and exercise and they can move better right right uh, americans are just you know they don't have good movement right so what i did is i created a a, a video which is kind of from head to toe like this is the mobility you need for your shoulder to do things like bong sao and fuk sao. This is the mobility you need for your wrist to do palm strike and hin sao. This is the mobility you need for your hips to be able to kick and move and defend and sweep. And this is the mobility you need in your ankles so you can actually kick without getting up on your toes, right? So um, I showed what I call a program minimum for all those things and then I showed progressions to improve them. And I also showed uh, the warm-up that we use in City Wing Chun at the beginning of every class, which is kind of a good foundational movement. So it, it's basically called Movement for Martial Arts Wing Chun. I could also expand it to do that for other martial arts as well, because I, I, I'm kind of a movement geek in terms of like the kind of requirements people need for different martial arts. And this is all the stuff you would need to move well as a Wing Chun person and for trainers this is the kind of stuff you need to know when you have a student that comes up to you and they're like, Asivu or Siang or coach or whatever they call you. And I can't bring my elbow in or I can't bring my elbow up when I do bong sao because I have an impingement, right? right? So here's a whole list of exercises you can prescribe to them to find the right one to get them to do the bong sao in a more efficient way or to bring the elbow in or to be able to move their wrist better or something like that. So it's really done for instructors, but it's also ideal for newbies to Wing Chun as well. So it's kind of like for people with a lot of experience and people with no experience, this is kind of the, the video to get. And I hope to have it ready by Christmas. As soon as it's ready, um, I'll, I'll let you guys know. And I, I will That's definitely awesome, pick man. it That's up. Sound, that sounds awesome. Also. And when you were talking about the, the Chinese people like uh, practice movement, I the first thing that flashed into my head was, um, like I had said earlier, that I, <clears throat> I drive to work every day and drive home. And from the FDR Drive, people in New York will know there's a park. There's several parks on the side of the, uh, the highway. And every morning I see a, uh, one of the parks, I see, eh, I'm going to call it four to six um, elderly Chinese people, some doing Tai Chi. And I guess they will probably all do it, but there's always like three or four of them doing Tai Chi. And what I love is, and, and none of them are young, so they're all, let's, let's, let's call 70 or better. Right. And before they do it, because like, again, I see them every morning, they swing their arms and do yep. like these deep knee bends and it's just all these gross motor movements to keep the joints limber and i said man yes. that's fucking awesome because i hurt my knees getting out of the couch my I'm such a fat fuck it's like <laughs> and this 70 year old is squatting down like she's gonna take a dump and squeeze it swinging a fucking arm <laughs> and i just think it's fucking beautiful like I, I look at him every morning and i say god you're like my hero i'm not gonna do anything about it i'm still gonna walk one mile an hour the block and a half to my job and complain the whole time and sit down and eat my muffin from fucking Dunkin' Donuts. But I, I just look at them on the side of the highway and I'm like, got a job now. I'm just saying, like, it's awesome. <laughs> I think it's great. But the, the one thing I did want to tell you is you mentioned about instructional videos. And I, I got a quick story. I'm sorry. I don't mean to sidetrack. It's just a, no. many years ago, I... I, you know, I, I had a really popular JKD website, a really popular forum. It was, it was really cranking. I had a lot of people. And one day, <laughs> I get this phone call. I, I, had, I had guys training at my house. Yeah. And uh, we were training, and, and the phone rings, and I answer the phone. And some guy calls me up, and he says, um, 
oh, hey, you know, I really like what you post, and do you have any instructional videotapes? So I said, yeah, in fact, I have three. And he goes, oh, you have three. I said, yeah, we haven't advertised them yet, but I have three. I have um, Jikundo Basics. I have uh, Jikundo Sensitivity Training and Jikundo um, Kickboxing. Well, Jikundo Fundamentals, Sensitivity Training, and Kickboxing. And he was like, holy shit. He goes, that's awesome. How much are they? So I said, well, they're, you know, $29.99 each, you know, three for $75. And he's like, oh, this is what, what's your address? I'm going to mail you a check. Let's tell you how long ago it was, folks. He had to mail me a check, right? <laughs> so I give him my address, and he's, he said he's going to mail me $75. Gospel true story. I hang up the phone. I turn around to my buddy, Walt. I says, we got to film some fucking videos. <laughs> He goes, what? I said, this fucking numbnuts is on the phone just offered me 75 bucks for three fucking videotapes that we could bang out in an hour. So let's go, guys. Change your T-shirts. Hang a fucking bedspread up. We're going to record some videos. So literally, we, uh, we, 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 we picked a day, like two days later, and we got together. At, somebody had a, an empty room, and we banged out all three videos in like, Three hours. Wow. And, I, you know, I went and I bought, like, video cassettes. And I bought a, another DVD. A DVD. A, a, oh, God. What do you call it? The, the machine. The VHS machine. It's so, like, like yeah, tape. VCR. Tape, yeah, right. That's the v, VCR. I bought two, like, VCRs and so I could do, like, tape to tape. And I had right. my wife churning them out all day. And the next thing I know, I started putting on the group. And I'm telling you, these things sold. And they sucked. <laughs> It was so bad. And I felt so bad. Like, I really wanted to take them off the shelf, but I was probably selling, I'm going to say, six, seven sets a week. Wow. At, at $75 a set. It was like almost like a little side job. My wife just banging out fucking videotapes all day long. And we bought the, <laughs> eventually we bought the covers, and it was like the credits part of it was literally just printed out pages that I would like drop in front of the camera. Oh my God, that is ghetto. <laughs> oh, it was so ghetto. But people like love this shit, you know? And um, it's like my favorite uh, instructional videotape story. Cause, and they were they were really popular for a long time. Then I stopped selling them because I realized how Do bad they were. you still have them? I'm not answering that question, yes. But so here's the funny th- here's the funny thing, Sean. You know, I do occasionally listen to older episodes of Dudes of Kung Fu podcast, and you told this exact story on a podcast I listened oh. to last week. <laughs> really? But I didn't want to stop. Yeah, I didn't want to stop you? you because you're you're like, oh, I have this great story, and then I'm like, oh, he's telling that story again, and I'm like, I'm just gonna let him tell it. <laughs> well, you know what? I I dickhead. It's we have so many new listeners. That's right, that's right. You know, I probably told it when we had, like, you know, 25 downloads. <laughs> and now... Yeah, no, I think, it was actually, I think it was actually last season. <laughs> All right, so I've been punched in... Folks, I've been punched in the head a lot. So, it's it, it's, it's a sad thing. I think it might even have been on... All right, yeah, I know. It was last week. All right, Jerkoff. All right, I no, got I you. I think it was actually on the Wooden Dummy episode we did. <laughs> <laughs> Not that long ago. Really not. <laughs> if it was on the wooden dummy episode, well, oh, I'm sorry, but um, there was also there was also a question into the uh, um, into the Facebook. Well, there was a bunch of them, but one of them we we discussed. We were going to talk about something about uh, um, 
some yes. somebody was not happy with the school they were training at. Well, they they do they do like the school that they train at. Um, I'm, I'm not gonna say the guy's name just in case his seafood or something listens to the podcast, but um, so basically said the basically the question is what if you trained at a school you really liked. And you really, you know, you enjoy the, you enjoy your kung fu brothers and sisters. You enjoy the, the enjoy the curriculum, the teacher, everything about it. It's you know, it's down the block from your house, whatever the fuck it is. It's nice, but there's no sparring or pressure testing. Mm-hmm. Would you still train there? And if you would, how would you test to make sure that your shit is good? Or would you not do it at all? Like, what would what would you do? And the problem is, is I don't you know you don't know the size you know the size of the city or town the guy lives in. So like if he lived in New York, you could sit there and say, oh well you know, just continue training there and then go to any fucking boxing gym and say you want to spar somebody, you know, and you'll be able to test your shit right quick. But um, like what well, you know if you live in a small town or something to that effect, you really are limited in what what you would do or what you could do. Right. How would you deal with that, Alex? I don't know, because this is actually, um, it's an issue. I mean, like, I understand people want to test out what they're learning. And, and for me, it's always a question of, it's good to go out and test what you're doing. If you have a chance to do it within your own school, like if your teacher um, has some kind of, like, sparring, or but it's done in a very alive, interactive kind of way, and, and, and it's done um, truthfully so you can test out where you're at, that's really great. The problem is don't do that and you don't have a lot of other options right? right um i really i really don't know what to say it's a similar option or it's a similar problem like we have in new york um we get on a weekly basis we get emails and, and phone calls from people like in the middle of pennsylvania where there are no wing chun schools and they want to they want to come and train with us or they want me to do a seminar or they want to get a correspondence course or something like that I, I really don't know how to solve the riddle of people who are training somewhere where they have limited options and they want to get something specific because I think that until you can actually do some kind of 3D hologram where you're actually inside the room with them or whatever I we're, we're, we're essentially limited by the, the types of media that we have available and the best video the best book best instructional manual is not going to replace a half decent coach you know putting a glove in your face you know what i mean so um it's really difficult to say i don't know what to tell people i'm i've always been lucky that um anytime i wanted to learn something i had the opportunity and i had the means to just straight up go and learn it from the person i wanted to learn from right? right um whether it's kung fu or if i want to you know my my boxing coach is a top flight boxing coach uh, the guy I trained Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu with is a top-flight Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu guy, and all the people I learned from Wing Chun from are top Wing Chun people. So I, I can't say I, I can say I understand it, but I can't say I relate because my whole life is martial arts. And if there was a guy in the middle of French Canada who I wanted to learn from, I would fly there and learn from them. So um, I think it's just a matter of motivation. If it's something that you want. You save up the money, you fly to New York, you fly to L.A., you go to wherever it is where you can find this thing, and you try it out, and then you see it. And if it's something you really want, making a lifestyle change, look, or, or making a, a moving somewhere else, because life is not a dress rehearsal. If there's something you want bad enough, I'm pardon my French, you fucking go get it. You know what I mean? You just, you just, you stop telling yourself, well, there's some reason why you can't do it, and you get off your ass, and you just fucking go do it. 
If you want to learn from someone, scrounge up the money and go and learn from them. If you want to study something, study. The, 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 the most freedom you have as a human being is the discipline to just effing do it. This is one thing no one can take away from you. So if there's something you want, something you want to try, you want to travel to learn from somebody, you want to go to Japan and go to the Budokan or, or you, you want to train um, you know, judo, uh, you know, the headquarters of judo at the Kodokan, uh, you, you want to go in and fight in Lupini Stadium in Thailand, you, you go to Thailand and you train and you go do it. You want to learn Wing Chun in Hong Kong, you go to Hong Kong. You want to learn Jeet Kune Do from Sean Madigan, I'm sorry, you're shit out of luck. No one can go to Staten Island. <laughs> but other than that, you pretty much can do whatever you want, right? So um, go a little off topic there, but if you're somewhere where truth. you have no options to train, travel, go do, try it out. No one is bringing it to you. No one is looking at you going saying, oh, I'm sorry. You live in a podunk town in the middle of Europe, in the middle of the U.S. Uh, you need to go get it. I wanted to learn... Learn Ting Wing Chun, and in Seattle, there was nobody who taught it, and the few people who taught it were not very qualified, and they were quite frankly not who I wanted to learn from. So I moved to Germany, where I didn't even speak the language, to go there for three years, training six hours a day, five days a week, to learn this martial art that I loved in a, in, in a place where I didn't even speak the language, and and eating like you know I, I would eat like spaghetti and ketchup because I didn't want to spend any money and I have any money to spend on food just so I could train, right? And so tremendously to learn martial arts. So if somebody's kind of in this position where they're like, how do I get it without really trying hard? That falls on deaf ears with me, man, because I'm all for like going out and getting it. And it doesn't matter how effing hard it was. The first 10 years of my school, I didn't make any money or just barely survived. So I, 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 I'm always a little bit uh, reticent or let's say a little bit apprehensive to, to, to be uh, sympathetic when, when people haven't gone out yet. If they go out and try it and they still got questions, that's another thing. But if they haven't gone out to do it, I, I, I'm not super sympathetic. So anyway, that's all I got to say about that. Well, you know, going along with what Alex said, which was complete bullshit. No, I'm only kidding. Alex, <laughs> of course, is like, you know, Alex is right. You know, Get up and go someplace else. But what I would do in the meantime, let's say that that's not an option today. Talk to some of your Kung Fu brothers. Say, hey, listen, I love it here also. Why don't you know you come over Saturday and let's like we'll order a pizza, bring your gloves, and let's play with some of this shit. Don't even don't even call it sparring because you want to, you don't want to put the fear of getting hit in anybody's head. But I would just say like, hey, you know what? You want to train outside of the class? Me and you, let's just you know, we'll go on, on Saturday. Let's just go meet in the park and let's give it a shot. And then you build up to, hey, let, let me try and resist a little bit. And then you can maybe get a little bit of a, a, a training group going with within your Kung Fu school. Like that would, you, you're not leaving your school. You're not leaving your town and your city. And you're, you'll be working with your, your, your Kung Fu family. And you'll, you'll all get better. Or you'll realize that, oh, what I'm doing here isn't any good. And then you got to make a decision. You know, is this, it, if you don't care, it's not any good. You still enjoy training there. Well, that's fine too. But, you know, or you say, you know, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I know how I can make this better. So you go and you're training in school. And then on weekends, you get together with your Kung Fu brothers and sisters and say, hey, let's, you know, let's, let's, let's get together and uh, watch a Get Man movie and then train a little bit and hang out. And 
create a little community outside of your school to to train. And I really think that's probably the, uh, one of the uh, uh, that that's something anybody can do. You know what I mean? Anybody can do that. Because I bet in almost every school, people get together and, and, and hang out outside of the school. You know? So even if you're new to the school, like, and you just said one day, hey, is anybody getting together this weekend to hang out and go to a movie or train or whatever? You'll get some people, oh, yeah, I'll go. I'll hang out. You'll find someone. And uh, I, I, that's what I would do. I, I would I would look to get together with <clears throat> my, uh, my, my, you know, the other students in my school and create a little like club. That's uh, that's what I would do anyway. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That that I, he also had a second question too. Was like about terminology or something like that, right? Yeah, but I didn't understand that question, so I, it involved a lot of reading. <laughs> it involved a lot of reading. Yeah. So in general, when you guys write into the dudes of kung fu page. You have to realize the sheer amount of correspondence we get uh, between Facebook and 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 elsewhere uh, for the podcast. You guys need to keep it brief and succinct. All right, we are smart enough to understand context. You can just write down questions, right? right you don't right, need exactly. to explain and 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 you know hedge everything you're saying uh, and have caveats. Just just ask. Just write questions down. Send it to us. All right, uh, we are we're more than capable of answering simple, straightforward questions. When we have to, when we have to, basically look, sift through pages and pages of messages you send us to find the question. Um, neither Sean nor I have time for that. We got kung fu shit to do. <laughs> we we do, we do get. It would surprise you the the amount of uh, messages we get on Facebook and emails that we get at <laughs> dudes of kung fu at uh, gmail Now, why did I even give that out? Because there'll be more now. But if you can you want to contact Alex, go dudes of kung fu at gmail um yeah we do get a lot of messages so um and uh anyway so one of the another question we had was and, and it's 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 too big a question to just devote the other next five ten minutes to but we i i think we should do actually a, a whole episode involving footwork uh someone wrote in asking about shifting in wing chun that there's you know shifting well, you know, anybody who does Wing Chun knows that, you know, some people shift one foot at a time. Some people shift two feet at a time. They shift on the heels. They shift on the ball of the feet. Things to that effect. How do you do it? Why do you do it that way? Um, since I am not really the, I mean, I do Wing Chun, but I'm not the Wing Chun guy on this podcast. I'll give a quick thing about what I do. And then, um, then Alex will correct me. So... How I shift primarily is how I was taught to shift and how I shift is primarily on the heels. But it's you have to be careful that your balance doesn't go back to your heels. So when you look at how you open your stance when you do the first form, or all the forms, but I'm gonna just say first form, when you open when you open your stance, you kinda of stand there at attention, and if I wasn't so fat I'd be able to bring my legs together. But if when you, you bring your legs together and like the first thing you do is you'll kind of like open up on your heels so your, your heels will stay together and you'll open your toes first and then you'll like, kind of grip with the balls of your toes and and open up your stance further making the the stance right and you'll have that that, that pigeon toed stance or something slightly pigeon toed but you have that the important part here is that you have first 
at least how we do it. I'm not, I don't know. I don't even know how Alex's school does it or any other school. How we do it first is you kind of open first on the heels, then you open on the balls of your feet. And if you look at that and you realize that you have to, you have to be able to do this without your body rocking back and forth in that you don't want all your weight on your heels and then all your weight on the balls of your feet because you're not balanced. So you kind of have to learn how to adjust your body, the angle of your body, so that when you're opening up on your heels, you're kind of just slightly forward a little bit to keep the center almost like the weight over the center of your foot. So realize, so say you open up on your heels and you rocked backwards, all the weight would be directly on your heels and a little push on your chest would just knock you straight over. But now, say you're opening up on your heels and you're just kind of, just slightly leaned forward a little bit. The weight, the center part of you is on the center part of your foot. And, and then that opening of the stance is where you kind of learn to move the, the, where the fulcrum of the weight is on the foot while still using the heel and the toes to move the foot actually move the foot now we when we when we shift we shift two feet at the same time so i'll step turn shift at the same time and i'll shift again i'll shift on my heels but really the the my balance is on the center of my foot anyway that's that's how i do it that's how i teach it and um and now alex will give the official version well, there is no official version. Unfortunately, Grandmaster Yitman <laughs> seemed to to be a little bit uh, uh, apprehensive in terms of codifying these things in, in such a way where his, you know, three of his students can even agree on it, right? Mm. So it's it's more a matter of whatever whatever method, whatever version your teacher teaches you, as long as it has a complete methodology behind it. It needs to fit, you know, the, the way you turn needs to fit in with the way you step and with the way you move with the way you interact so in order for these things to be systems they need to be cohesive right so right. if your uh, method tells you to shift on the heels and, and to shift two feet at a time well everything else you do in Wing Chun um, especially the island ladies and gentlemen I'm sorry <laughs> Uh, you know, if, if you're if you learn just to shift on the heels, turning you know two feet at the same time, then everything else you do footwork-wise has to fall in line with that for the system to be cohesive, right? This is why it doesn't make sense to take, as we've discussed on previous uh, shows, the turning from one sifu, the advancing footwork from another, right. the, the evasive footwork from this guy, because. It doesn't necessarily, it's kind of like you're trying to make a sports car by just bolting a bunch of random car parts together and hoping that they work together cohesively, right? Truck tires are not the ones you put on a Porsche 911, you know, and, and everything needs to be, uh, everything needs to kind of fit into the whole organism of your Wing Chun. Um, in WT in general, we turn one foot at a time on the center of the foot, just like Sean said. As a result, since we want to keep the weight on the center of the foot, we focus on keeping it there. So we leave the heels out of the equation because if we even think about, and this is, of course, this is my take, and this isn't to be directly contradictive of what you said, um, but the idea is that if, if I feel that I'm going back on my heels, even when I'm setting the stance, there's a tendency for the weight to kind of move back a little bit. Right. And you will often see students who start the stance with the weight in the center, and then like after a couple minutes of doing punzao or chisao, whatever you said, see kind of floats back a little bit because the human organism has a very strange thing. 
your brain and your nervous system is always trying to find the laziest, most efficient way to do whatever the hell it is you're doing. Why'd you look at me when you said that? <laughs> and so your, your brain will uh, affect your nervous system will effectively override that which you're trying to tell yourself to do consciously, right? You know you want to keep your weight over a center part of your foot, but after a while your brain goes, yeah, but it's a little lighter if we just kind of lounge out back here on the heels, you know what I mean? So in order to kill this tendency, we generally tell the students to focus on keeping the weight on the center of the foot and to turn in the center of the foot. The distance between both of the feet always remains constant. We turn one foot at a time for uh, two other reasons in Wing Chun. One, since our feet are turned in at that kind of pigeon-toed angle, if I'm going to shift my weight to one side and turn the other foot, the, the foot that gets the weight is already in the position it needs to be when I shift. So there's no need for it to turn anymore. It's already there. When I come back to this stance and then I turn the other way, the supporting foot is already in the position. So there's really effectively, at least the way we turn, no need to turn two feet at a time because one foot is already in the correct position. The other reason is, always want to, like a traditional Kung Fu always is based on Yam Yang, which is Cantonese for Yin Yang. You always need to have some part of you that's stable and some part of you that moves, right? One part is giving way and the other part is stable. So as we shift, the foot that doesn't move, that's essentially our anchor leg. That is the stable part. And the one that's turning, that's the mobile part. So we have one half of the stance is moving and the other half is staying stable. Rather than having two parts move at the same time, where we can, in theory, and it doesn't mean that it happens that way in practice, because I know plenty of people who shift effectively two feet at the same time. But in theory, you have two feet that are moving at the same time, so you don't have an anchor leg in that moment. And Wing Chun, by the step slide kind of idea, always has a movement leg, anchor leg, movement leg, anchor leg. And then when we turn, one foot moves, almost like a baton where you pass the baton, a relay race where you pass the baton to the next one, right? So we tend to turn... Yeah, we, we, we tend to, to turn one foot at a time. Learn Ting is very big on that. And, um, you know, when when you see Tang Sang footage of Yip Man turning, it seems to be one foot at a time. When you see mm. the Yip Chun footage before he passes away, it seems to be two. So I'm, I'm not sure if Yip Man, when he got older, he just started doing it one way or he didn't pay attention, or he himself was relatively inconsistent, which is also possible. Right. which also would account for all the different variations. And I'll tell you what, I tell all my students to step a certain way, turn a certain way, do it exactly a certain way. And when you look at all hundreds of my students doing their footwork, you're also going to have a hard time finding two that do it exactly the same, right? right. So, and, and that is in my school where I have a standardized teaching program and, and they have to be qualified to move on, right? right. And even there, you're going to find variations and any two of my instructors might have a slightly different explanation. So now, imagine Grandmaster Yip Man did not codify it, did not have a standard of instruction, did not have certificates and levels and things like that. And it is no wonder everybody does it differently. When people want to know why do all of Yip Man's students do things differently, I, I, I asked them, I said, given the way they learned it, I would be shocked if two of them do it the same way. Right, you sure. Know, like it, it's, it, it, it's actually would be more... Uh, 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 amazing if that were the case. The fact that they all do it differently is par for the course. And you find it even in more standard styles like uh, Hongar, where the forms are a little bit more standardized, especially at the advanced levels. Um, you still see tremendous amount of variation. Look at 
Mak Chi Kong, my good friend Mak Chi Kong, look at his tiger crane form on YouTube, and then look at the tiger crane form of, say, Chu Chi Ling, who was uh, the tailor from Kung Fu Hustle. Look at his tiger crane form, and they're from the same family, and it's not the same. Right. Um, it, it's it's normal. It, it, what what's unfortunate is people getting butt hurt about differences. Uh, um, and not discussing them on their merits and everyone kind of tries to one-up the other person. Um, he's shocked at all that everyone does it differently. This is, this is totally normal, man. This is Kung Fu. When you have a style that, that advocates personal expression and yet you're upset that there are people who have differences in details, you have to ask yourself why you actually have a problem with that. Right. No, it's that's actually really good. I really think... We did um, the form series. I yes. would love to expand upon that and make it more now go into a footwork episode, go to more of an energy type episode. We really, right. you know, a um, couple of things we want to talk, uh, another couple of things I want to mention uh, before I move on and forget. My good friend Bob Miller, I just wanted to give a good shout out to him. He was a little ill. But uh, he's feeling better and he's on the mend. And uh, Noto, we're thinking about you while we uh, are doing this podcast. And I haven't forgotten that you're my bitch for the rest of your life. (laughs) 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 And um, the other thing I'm glad to mention that uh, two things in regards to Wing Chun Illustrated. The new new issue of Wing Chun Illustrated is out with uh, Master Wong on the cover. I haven't yet. And what? And our sexy ad in the magazine. And our sexy ad. I haven't had a chance to uh, download it yet. I'll probably download it, you know, tonight and read it over the weekend. But uh, do you have any? Do you have an article in this one, Alex? I do. Well, I, I have a column that comes out every uh, issue. It's called. Uh, the you see, I usually don't read your column, but okay. It's, uh, what's this? <laughs> this fight? I say all I do is talk shit about you. <laughs> 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 um, uh, but actually, I wanted to uh, um, just uh, clarify something because we have the little ad at the beginning of the episode where all the uh, listeners of Dudes of Kung Fu get that uh, six-month complimentary subscription for using the promo code Dudes in all caps. Um, but I just wanted to make it clear because on the last podcast I may have misspoke. Um, you have to go to Magster, M-A-G-Z-T-E-R dot com to uh, use the promo code. So you have to say you cannot use the promo code in the app. So I apologize if I confuse some people about that. Um, we in, in the commercial we have at the beginning of the episode, it just says go, go to Magster. But uh, we need to make it uh, clear that you have to go to magster.com to go to the checkout and use the promo code and once you've done that then you get it on your app as well so apologize for anybody who had any issues with that and uh, again we want to thank eric uh at uh, wing chun illustrated for hooking us up with this awesome awesome deal and if you're a supporter of the dudes of kung fu podcast please support wing chun illustrated magazine um not just for my sexy articles but for all the as well uh jim who we had last week is a regular uh con- contributor to the magazine as well so uh please support it and also um did you want to say anything else about wing chun illustrated sean well i mean I was going to just expand upon what you were saying was like when we say like if you, if you support you know the dudes of kung fu support wing chun illustrated magazine we're not asking you to go out and 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 support fucking popular mechanics. This is like the finest Wing Chun magazine that's out there. If you like who's on this show, I mean, Alex, okay, we've all had enough of Alex, I get it, but you know, he, he's got a regular column in there. Me too, he knows me too. something about Wing Chun. 
Jim Roslando, David Peterson. I mean, this magazine is packed from the first article to the last article from awesome people with awesome articles. And and it's and, and now with this this code, you're getting six months for free just for being a listener of the of the podcast. So Absolutely. It's it's an, it's like it's awesomeness wrapped up in awesomeness. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like it's like, you know, come on guys, this is awesomeness wrapped up in awesomeness. And um, yes. also not to keep on we, we you know the mention it, but I wanna mention it again. The Patreon, if you go to patreon.com slash D-O-K-F, Dudes of Kung Fu, D-O-K-F. Come on, folks. We could really use the support. If you're enjoying the podcast, there's different levels of support. I mean, one of them is like $2 a month, and there's $5 a month. For $5 a month, you get the episode three days early. It's literally the price of two cups of coffee a month. And, you know, Alex and I, we really put a lot into these podcasts you know we joke like oh we just sit here and just bullshit we care about this so much i don't think anybody realizes how much we care about this podcast and just to defray our costs if anybody could just if you can just go to you know patreon.com slash d-o-k-f and um and and just hit it put it for three dollars five dollars whatever the, the the things are there's different levels all the way up to like Fifty dollars a month. Yeah, that, can you um, can you let them know some of the um, just for people who haven't gone to the Patreon page? So by the way, you can go to Patreon.com/slash/dokf. You can also go to Dudes of Kung Fu and click on the support link, and then it gives you all the different options there, which includes the Patreon account. When you go there, we have different options. So you you can support us by having like a one-time donation. You can have like a few five dollars a month, in which you would get okay, yeah. so, uh, the episodes three days early. And then we also have some some higher options. In terms right there, of there's which, be, yeah. there's be a friend of the dudes, which is two dollars a month, and that's basically you guys saying, I mean, look, it's two dollars a month. It's a cup of fucking coffee, two dollars a month, and it's it's you saying, hey guys, we appreciate what you're doing. Here's two dollars a month to to help keep it going. There's five dollars a month. Where you, if you, you pledge that amount, you get to get the podcast three days early. So you get the podcast three days before anybody else gets it. There's ten dollars. The podcast, a month. just so you guys, uh, before we go to the next one, the podcast we're now now releasing them on Thursdays because it works better with our workflow. Um, so that means you're going to get the podcast by like Monday, Tuesday, right? And so you get it before everyone else gets it. Then there's the $10 a month. You'll get an autographed picture of me and Alex. I mean, I had to put Alex in there, so I hope you don't get upset. But this, <laughs> in order for you get an autographed but, picture but of Alex who, and who, I. Who autographs it, though? You didn't say who. You just had an autographed picture. <laughs> Ixnay on the autograph, Snay. And you also get the, pod, you get, you, you get the podcast early. Yeah, so for every level of donation you have, you, you you also get the lower levels as well. So if you do the $10 thing where you get, like, the autograph photo, you also get the $5 level, which means you also get the, the episodes three days early. So it kind of works backwards from there. What's the next one? The next one is $25 a month. And for that, you get your name in the thank you, in the thank you section in the notes of the podcast. So everybody gets the podcast, you'll see the person's name in, in the description of the podcast thanking them for the support, and plus they get everything else. And then there's the $30 a month. Now, $30 a month there, they get live video. So the guys that did $30 a month are right now watching Alex and I do this thing live. 
So they're watching it live, plus they get it three days early, plus they get the autographed picture, and they and uh, and everything else that goes along with it. And then we have so far one 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 gentleman who actually does do the fifty dollars a month, and that he gets once a month he gets a video chat with me and Alex, just me him and Alex, and um, yeah. it's gonna be a forty five minute chat. With, so anybody that's on that gets to hang out with, basically hang out with me and Alex for 45 minutes. And we just, and, we'll have a, a, a kind of a just chat, like all of us for 45 right. minutes, everyone who's on there, you guys can ask us stuff directly. It's all private. It's just for you guys. Right. And we'll, you know, we will talk absolutely freely with you because you're, 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 you're one of the, you're one of the dudes at this point here. Yeah, so, we're not going to um, give you the normal censored versions you guys right, get on exactly. the podcast. You will, you will get Sean uncensored. Uncensored. <laughs> the uncensored version of me. So, listen, we really appreciate the support. And um, really, if you can go to patreon.com, D-O-K-F, and, and, and just pledge $2 a month, $5 a month, whatever you can do. And really, think, try and think of it this way here. It's a cup of coffee a month. It's, you know, it's really, and you can't do it. You're still getting the podcast. I understand that we love you. This is not, we're not trying to shame anybody into this. We're just, believe it or not, you'd be surprised at how much this runs for us money-wise. And, you know, we could, we, we appreciate the help. You know what I mean? We would appreciate some support in this. And, uh, and thank you. And thank you for the people that have. Some, you know, people have jumped into this and we appreciate that. And before we go today, I want to teach you a little bit of Cantonese. Oh, awesome. Abilities, all right? So you know the at the Wing Chun Athletic Association, the famous uh, scrolls, the couplets, where you yes. have like the right one and the left one, right? It's very famous. There's also like a poster of it. And this is kind of the theme or I should say the motto of Yip Man's Wing Chun school, right? And this, the, the very top one has three characters. And it says, Tong. Wing Chun means Wing Chun Hall, right? Or like right. Wing Chun Place, right? So let me hear you say Wing Chun Tong. Wing Chun Tong. Did you just say Chung with a G at the no, end? No, I didn't say My with God. a G at the end, you fucking idiot. <laughs> I said Wing Chun Tong. I love it. This is my dick. favorite. This is my new favorite part of the podcast, by the way. So, uh, okay. So the top part is Hall, right? Which means Wing Chun Hall, right? Right. And then on the right side, and of course in traditional Chinese, it's from top to bottom, right to left. Uh, although modern Chinese is kind of, they actually write it pretty much the same way as Western script, but in the Wing Chun Athletic Association, everything's kind of old school. Um, so the couplet on the side, there's five characters. Oh boy. And it, it says, So Wing Chun, you can remember that. Wing Chun. Yeah. Chun Sing. Chun Sing. Like, like chewing gum. Chun Sing. Chun Sing. Tong. Like rising tone, right? Okay. So it's Wing Chun Chun Sing Tong. Wing Chun Chu Chun Tong. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like you're throwing a bunch of knives down the stairs and they're I'm making I'm doing the best sound. I can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, so so that means uh, um, that the Wing Chun is passed down traditionally. Essentially, this is a, a kind of a idea that um, the Wing Chun we teach is essentially unchanged by your own ideas. It's traditional yeah. because, as you know, no Wing Chun Sifu. You, you right. know, it's like no animals. <laughs> That's why everybody no looks alike. <laughs> have been harmed in the filming of this movie. It's like yeah. no Wing Chun has been altered in the teaching of this for generations. All right, yeah. is what you're led to believe. Although there's absolutely nothing in reality that would actually make us believe that. So that is what the first one is Wing Chun Chu Jing Hong. Right. So on the other side. There's a uh, another one, and that is Waha Chen Hong Feng. Waha. Waha. All right, Chen. 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 Yeah, Hong Feng. Hong Feng. There you go. So Waha Chen Hong Feng. Waha Tong. I have one more time. <laughs> Waha Chan Hong Fong. Waha Cha Hong Fong. Pretty close. Not bad. All right. Okay. So, so that one, that one essentially means to make the nation stronger. Because when this was created, this was essentially created in the wake of the Second World War, where the Chinese felt a little. The, the let's just say the the the, the Chinese. Uh, um, feeling at that time after the Second World War, after what Japan had done to them, was pretty low. The morale was pretty low. So a lot of like in the 50s when they're essentially rebuilding after the Second World War, they're, they're trying to kind of prop up the Chinese again to make them feel proud. This is also why later Bruce Lee's film, um, you know, Fist of Fury, why he goes in there and kicks the snot out of all the Japanese, why that was a huge moment for the Chinese because they could finally feel proud again to be Chinese and hold their heads up, right? So that second couplet is essentially to make the nation stronger. So the implication is that by learning Wing Chun, which is essentially a national art, right. help the Chinese rise again. So it's an extremely nationalistic kind of thing. It also implies... Uh, that Wing Chun is kind of only for the Chinese. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so two white guys in New York. The <laughs> thing is, like, I even have this poster in my school with the couplet there. And of course, so many Western Wing Chun schools hang these things there, but they don't realize that technically just by being a non-Chinese person and hanging that thing in your school, you're kind of kind of going against what the original uh, idea was. That's why in my, in my school... I retained the left couplet, or sorry, the right couplet with the uh, Wing Chun, Chun Jing Tong, like we teach the traditional Wing Chun or whatever. On the other side, I changed it to Wan Yu Wo Tong Yan, which means entire world. What does it because mean? I think it's cut off a little bit. It, it, uh, it means for the benefit of the entire world. Oh, okay, nice. Because Wing Chun is no longer just for the Chinese, and quite frankly, Wing Chun is practiced probably now by more non-Chinese than it's actually being uh, practiced by Chinese. So it's something that has actually strengthened China as a nation because it has become international and people appreciate Chinese culture because non-Chinese are learning this thing that they really enjoy. So times have changed. And I think although that was Grandmaster Yip Man's original motto, I, th I think it's, it's actually time for us to retire that second couplet um, and, and kind of move forward a little bit. So that's, that's, uh, that's how I feel about that. Outstanding, dude. This is a lot of fun this week, man. Yeah, all right, man. So uh, I think next week we're back on with some new guests. I'm not even going to mention who they are because yep. they might be totally awesome. Right. And so be be ready for that. So uh, there's a lot of big things coming next week. I got Lou Feng, 
the centipede from five deadly venoms he's at my school el ray network is shooting something at my place and and uh there's the new uh urban action showcase there's a lot of martial artists coming into town so we've got a lot of stuff going on we'll have a lot of stuff to talk about thank you everybody for supporting dudes of kung fu remember to go to dudesofkungfu.com support us on facebook give us a like and uh sean it was great got anything i'm good brother all fun thank you take care bye-bye thank you for listening to our latest episode Please help us get the word out there by sharing this and other episodes on your favorite social media platforms. If you're enjoying the Dudes of Kung Fu podcast, there are many ways in which you can support it. Go to dudesofkungfu.com support to find out how you can help your favorite Kung Fu podcast. We are currently using Patreon to automate great benefits to those who support the podcast. As a supporter of the Dudes, you'll get early access to episodes as well as a number of other benefits based on your donation level. This includes in-depth topic lectures and even monthly live video conferences with the dudes. Again, go to dudesofkungfu.com support to find out more about that. As always, you can help support us in small ways as well. Give us a like at the Dudes of Kung Fu Facebook page and share links to episodes. If Twitter is your preferred social media outlet, you can follow the Dudes of Kung Fu there as well. Both Big Sean Madigan and yours truly are on Twitter too. Dudes of Kung Fu is now also on Instagram, so tag it along with the hashtag Dudes of Kung Fu whenever you post something related to the podcast. A great way to support the dudes is to rate and review it on either the iTunes or Android app stores. The written reviews are immensely more helpful than just giving us a five-star rating. If you have any suggestions for topics or guests, please write us at the Dudes of Kung Fu Facebook page. Please understand that neither Sean nor I can guarantee a response, but we will consider any serious suggestions. And finally, I ask that you help spread an open dialogue with other practitioners of martial arts. Chinese Kung Fu in particular has long since suffered from caustic political discourse, which can only change with you. Remember, the person you wholeheartedly disagree with doesn't love martial arts any less than you do. Take care, and thank you for supporting the Dudes of Kung Fu!